Hello, everybody. Mr. Brown here with the Choose Well Program podcast. Today, our topic is social-emotional learning, also known as SEL. I've learned this in education. Educators, we love our acronyms. There's always an acronym for everything. But the title of our, our session today is How SEL Slapped Me in the Face. Not me, but my guest, <laughs> Mr. Brad Davis. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I got to give you the customary... Uh, round of applause for being on the show so let's get the round of applause ready there it is so we like to have it just fast and loose here we'll make mistakes but we'll we'll make it right so we're gonna talk about social emotional learning sel and when we were talking earlier you mentioned that you didn't mention that. i kind of made the title it slapped you in the face so tell me the story how social emotional learning slapped you in the face yeah this is a uh, my number one story when talking about sel so some background being a teacher you know i didn't get a lot of sel training uh through my program it was just kind of education, academics, here it is. That's what you got to teach the kids. So you didn't really get taught how to connect with students. Like, hey, here's a lesson plan to teach math or what subject did you, did you go all subjects? 100%, yeah. So I'm a general education teacher. I teach um, anywhere from kindergarten to eighth grade. Right now I currently teach fourth grade, but we didn't get a plan on, you know, connecting with kids and trying to understand them. It was just, here's academics, teach them spelling or whatever. And this particular story actually happened on a spelling test one day. And I had a student who was playing with the headphones just kind of, you know, winging him around one day well on a chromebook like a cr headphones from a chromebook or a no he got him out of his desk so, oh his own headphones yeah okay i thought yeah. he had okay he's playing yep. with his own headphones playing with his own headphones at his desk and i'm like hey man put those away kind of looks at me puts them away for a minute i kind of cycle around the classroom like we're supposed to make sure kids are engaged we had him out again i'm like oh man second time i'm like put those in your desk got a little <laughs> firmer you know thought that was the key just start yelling at him he put him away that time. Well, the third time came around and he still had him out again. So at this time I got kind of frustrated. It kind of boiled over and I sent him outside. So he gets up, he goes outside. I'm like, what the heck is going on with this kid? He's playing during the test. You know, it makes no sense. I finally went out and started talking to him. And my classroom at the time was kind of facing a field and he was looking out to the field. So I actually turned him around and all he could see was me in the wall. And I, you know, I'm about to lay into him. I'm like, hey. And he immediately fell into my arms and just started crying. He just started hugging you. Just started. He fell right into me. Like just melted into me like butter. Started crying in my shirt. It was probably like 10 minutes. 10 minutes, this kid just soaked my shirt. And I was like, what is going on? So this has never happened before to you? You get your, Never. What, what year teaching was this for you? This is my first year teaching. <laughs> probably my first month in. So, I, so I, one month into teaching. Yep. And this kid is bawling, crying. Bawling. On your, in your arms. Yep. And I, I mean, it felt like an eternity. I was just staring off at the playground like, what do I do? Were you looking around like, is anybody watching this? <laughs> somebody putting a prank on me? First? <laughs> Man, if anybody was watching, my jaw was probably on the ground at that point, you know, holding back tears myself. Like, what is, you know, here in my head, all I was worried about was this test. And that's what he should be worried about, right? That's what we were taught. He should be worried about doing well and doing this test. But lo and behold, he's not. So that kind of started me down this path of like, how do I understand where these kids are coming from? You know, how do I understand their mindset? How do I, you know, figure out to get this kid to buy into this test? And so, so what'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so look, look, you left me hanging here. I'm like, okay, it's got more story. So how do you get the kid back in the classroom and how'd you get, did he take the test? Did he, what happened? So I ended up, you know, talking to him, asking what was going on. He couldn't really tell me. He honestly, you know, second grade, seven years old, he could not tell me why he was crying. He could not tell me what was going on. He was just saying he was frustrated and he was upset. And so I ended up not even letting him take the test. I was like, you know, I'm over this. It's okay. So he comes back into class and I just try to pretend like nothing happened. I didn't want him to be on the spot, you know, coming in, everybody's seeing him crying, being upset. So I let him come in. I let him sit down, relax. And then after that, um, this was in the morning time, so I, I kind of let the day go a little bit. And then at lunchtime, 
I went and contacted my counselor and I was like, Hey, help, help. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on with this kid? And, uh, she actually, um, didn't give me the full story, believe it or not. She was just like, Oh, you know, you can be there to support him. And so, um, I was able to then use other resources. I went to other teachers, aides actually, it was the one who, who let me know his full story. So the aide, so this aide, she knew his whole story and she yep. let you know the story. Yep. And I think the reason I, I want to emphasize that, cause I think sometimes I meet, uh, aides in classrooms or in schools and I say, I'm just an aide. No, you're not just anything. No. Like I, I want to encourage you that you have a role and you connect with students in different ways than teachers do, but your role is n not less important. You're, what you do is important. And so she, this aide came to you and told you the whole story. Yeah, I I love this aide. She, um, she was at bus duty one day and I was like, hey, you know, you've been a kindergarten aide forever. Do you know this kid's story? She was like, oh man, Brad, yeah, I'll, I'll come tell you. So she actually came back to me at class and told me his whole story, just a really rough, rough home life. And, um, that kind of opened my eyes to realizing that, you know, regardless of what my game plan is for the student, I need to understand their game plan and their thought process and their idea. Figuring out where they are. I mean, you have a goal and objective, but it's not like blindly just, you're not a, um, you don't produce widgets, <laughs> yeah. but you have to figure out where this kid is and basically in, in a metaphorically way, take their hand and take them where you want them to go. Yes. Yes. I still believe that, you know, my role as a teacher is to guide them to my objective and to teach them. But you also can't teach a student who has so many other things that are compounding their mind and just, you know, clouding their judgment. You need to be able to navigate those pathways for those students or help them and give them tools to navigate their own challenges. You know, I always tell my students, life's not perfect. You know, hard things are going to happen and you need to be able to overcome them. You mentioned earlier, you mentioned, I can never say this man's name, Maslow's. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Maslow's Hierarchy. Maslow's. Okay, Maslow's. Explain that a little bit more. So Maslow's hierarchy is this pyramid of somebody's needs, anybody's needs. You have the base of the pyramid, and it has um, safety, love, their very basic needs. And it actually comes down to food, um, air, all these things that if you do not meet these basic needs of anybody, they're not going to, I mean, they can't survive is how it starts. And then it starts to build into safety, necessity, things like that. And after that, it's relationships. And if you do not build these uh, base pyramids, then you can't really reach the top, which is self-realization. And our, and our job as educators is to reach the top of that pyramid and get these students to understand who they are and how they can succeed. But if you don't have a relationship and you don't meet their safety needs and you don't meet their basic needs, you can never reach the top. And so you don't have to meet those needs in every situation, but in your context, that child to feel safe, that child to make sure, you know, that child is fed to some extent. You yes. you do the best you can in your environment to get that student to where they need to be. And sometimes that spills over into their bigger environment, but especially in the environment you're in. You know, you mentioned in food, it's funny, in second grade, I have these kids who didn't eat and some of the other teachers would give them like saltine crackers. I'm like... And I'm not that broke. Here's a protein bar, you know? <laughs> and so just that small step right there, um, that student, maybe they aren't that hungry, but maybe it's because they need that security of food and me not realizing it, but me giving them that protein bar. Maybe it's like, you know, a super good protein bar. Maybe they're used to getting bottom shelf protein bars. And so meeting that need of food, that's huge. And even that, you, I think you met a need of safety in a sense, too, because they can trust you. They know you care about them. They know yeah. they're accepted. They, they feel part of the community. And even, and even the way you do it, like you don't embarrass child. Hey, you don't eat today, you know, yelling across yep. the room. But I remember I was working with a school 
and uh, we we had a schedule plan, but then we had to adjust the schedule on the day of because um, this, they call it second chance breakfast. So when the kids get to school, they get a breakfast first thing. But this was like the second breakfast around nine thirty, ten o'clock. And the reason was that in this population, a lot of these kids didn't get food at home at all because the parents were spending all the money at the casino. And so this was widely known, but nobody talked about it. So I don't know, in our conversation, we, we brought it up and you just saw these kids' faces like, you know, like, like, like and it wasn't that other people didn't know, but no one wanted to acknowledge the, the, the struggle these kids are going through and why they have second chance breakfast. Um, and I think even acknowledging it brings them um, some kind of safety and it may sound weird, but they feel understood. They feel like they're accepted and it's not their fault. And, it, and I think, too, they're not trying to hide it anymore. Not just food, you know, meeting those basic needs, it, it changes for every kid. So if you don't build a relationship to be able to understand or have them communicate that basic need that they need, um, you're not going to be able to meet it. And sometimes I, I have this guilt where I don't value their um, hardship. Like if it's food, you know, you're, oh, well, you, you should have food. Well, that's not true, you know, just because it comes easy to me. Now, well, and you've maybe always known that, like, yeah, yeah, and I forget that too. Like, where I am today in my life, I just assume you know, all these kids have access to the internet or have access to all these things because it's just second nature to us, yep. but not understanding that they may not, yeah. Changing that perspective to try to understand their point of view, I think, is a really big topic, and just try to get behind that idea of whatever they're feeling, whatever they're going through, we need to at least understand or be aware of. You try. You go make me give you my favorite quote. One of my favorite quotes from right. Stephen Covey: "Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. Like seek first to understand where they're coming from, who they are, before you try to be understood." And I think that happens with adult relationships too, but especially the kids who we are authority figures in their lives, yes. where people. And I know I heard a teacher. I signed up to be a teacher, not a counselor, not a parent, not this. I get that, but at the same time, you're a human being, mm-hmm. and if you can meet those needs on a human to human level, then meet them. It's it's you're not going. It is extra mile, so to speak. But you know what? They need you, and you're in a position yeah. in life to give that. So I think that's important. Seek first, understand, then to be understood, because it will help the whole relationship. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I hear teachers say the same thing. So actually, in my role, um, I help coach teachers in SEL. So uh, part of my job is that I help teachers connect with students, and I hear them say the same thing. You know, that's not my job. To, you know, I'm not supposed to be a counselor. I'm supposed to be a teacher. And I always try to let them know that um, probably the biggest impact we're going to make is on that social emotional level. I don't know about you, but I can't remember what I learned in third grade, science, history. I don't know nah, off the top of my head, <laughs> but I can tell you, you know, how my third grade teacher made me feel, or maybe some of the big projects, or maybe the field trips, or the ways that they connected with me as a person, or you know, my fourth grade teacher coming to my baseball games. I remember those things. And even I can't remember a lot of that, but I remember I felt safe. Like I can show up and be goofy me, you know, buck teeth needing braces me. You know, I can show up and be me. And I think the school worked hard to make that happen. I mean, we had issues of bullying and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I felt secure to grow into who I was. Good. And I think my mom did a great job of, even though we grew up in the hood, those safety and those food things were met. And it helped me to be able to not worry about those things, but to be able to flourish into who I was. So let's finish the story with the kid. So, <laughs> so you got him back in class. You found out more of his story. His uh, the, the aide. We talked about the aide. So the aide stepped up, told you the story. What kind of impact did it have on you when you heard his story? 
Oh man, the uh, the level of sadness I think is unbelievable in his particular story. I don't know. Do you want to hear his, his full story? Yeah, let's hear his story. I think it's important to hear his story. All what right. you know, people's stories makes it make a difference. I share this uh, every now and then with SEL, but um, this child uh, had a little brother when he was in kindergarten. They brought the brother home, and he had a heart issue and passed away when he was home. So um, this kid, so the kid passed away at home. At home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the parents actually ended up keeping the kid at home for a few days as well. And so this young child had to be exposed to that death and stuff that, you know, a five-year-old should not be around. And, and you told me earlier why they kept him home. You can share that. And it's not pointing fingers at anybody, but just let you know how some things can be twisted and, and just manipulated in a way that does impact people. Yeah, so they're part of a church. And so they had this perspective on the child that they could either help it or bring it back to life. And so this little boy had to be around that experience, which um, I, c- I could not even relate. I couldn't even imagine to that. And so after being around the kid for a few days, I don't really know actually what happened and how they um, handled the burial and those kind of things. But after that, the mom um, told me that she just wasn't the best version of herself, and she actually took that out on the kids. So she said things to this little boy like, you know, she wished he was the one that passed away. You know, she man. wished, oh, man, yeah, what, that he wasn't around. That she didn't love him. And all these just heavy, heavy emotional things, and then having to deal with that, and then come to school and be normal. I don't, I don't think that's a connection. And so, so he's in the classroom playing with his headphones. Yep, yep. <laughs> Thinking about who knows what, you know. Yeah. And so from that point forward, um, honestly, I didn't care about academics. I loved that kid. I made it a point to make sure that kid knew that he came into my class and I loved him. And I, I think that's a hard thing to say as a teacher because you know he's not my child. You know he's just right. my student. But that kid does not care about school right now. He needs to. He needs probably help navigating some things that I can't help. You know, professional help with a counselor. And but I made sure that you know when I saw him six hours a day, he came to somebody that cared about him. So you didn't care about his education. You didn't give up on teaching him. No, but no. you understood there was something deeper, yes, right? That, yes. that, that he was going through. Yeah. In. It's, it's funny that Maslow's hierarchy, the more you start to love them, the more they're able to access learning. Hmm. So in actuality, him um, going through those challenges and then being with me where he was safe and comfortable, he was actually producing better scores. You know, he was actually able to attend lessons. He was actually able to pay attention. Because he knew you loved him. You, he knew you cared. You heard his story. And yep. you were there for him. Exactly. Did he have any moments where he shared some stuff with you or just didn't even get into that or just... He was, he was very closed off. So um, one-on-one, he talked to me a few times just about his personal feelings and his home life and how chaotic it was. Uh, whole class, never. He, he just would not open up. Um, unfortunately, that year um, was our COVID year. So a couple of years ago, and we shut down halfway through or two-thirds through. And so I didn't get to really fulfill and finish uh, a year with him, which I was really upset about. But I actually ended up running into him over that summer. And um, man, we were at a local park and he was riding a bike and I was like, hey, hey. And I yelled at him and he threw his bike, I swear, Mr. Brown, like a hundred yards, man, and came <laughs> sprinting over and gave me just the biggest hug ever. And, you know, I was just catching up with him, asking how he was doing. And he was on homeschool and he actually said to me, he goes, yeah, I love homeschool. I don't do anything. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not how homeschool is supposed, supposed to, to work, be, right? but all right, you know, I'm glad to see you. I'm, you know, I'm happy you're around. And so, you know, it felt really good that I made that connection because like I said, he's not going to understand, you know, what he learned in second grade class, but he's going to understand that I cared about him and right. I, you know, I made him feel safe and loved. And he did learn some things and those yeah, building yeah. blocks that he he's now using in his life. Mm-hmm. So 
going back to our original title, how SEO slapped you in the face, you mentioned you did some more research and other things to learn what was going on. Yeah. So that experience, you know, day one of that experience, I went to my mentor teacher and I was like, what do I need to do? You know, how, how can I understand these kids? And she pointed me to social emotional learning and where I'm from, you know, our County office of education has a great social emotional learning team. And, and I just dove full in. I was like, okay, what, what trainings can I take? How can I connect to students? What can I do personally to help these kids? So from your journey, what would you say, how would you define social emotional learning or SEO? How would you define it in two ways? Number one, what is the, uh, the textbook? Cause I know you got your master's in this area, did, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so, um, what is the textbook or, you know, standard definition and how would you describe it? So, I um, mean, the textbook definition, social emotional learning, I think kind of weaved into how I define it, which is accessing the whole child. You know, learning is a part of it, but social is a part of it. So teaching them how to interact with others and their emotions are tied to themselves. So I think creating this kind of triangle relationship between the kid you know, their peers and us and then learning all needs to connect to create the best version of that kid. And accessing that to me starts with the social emotional piece and then learning comes second. I also teach uh, younger elementary school. I think that, you know, I understand as they get older, maybe learning in academics is geared more. But for me, accessing that social emotional piece in the beginning is so important. I agree with you. I think it is vitally important and, and, and not just in, in education, but oh, I know SEL, the learning part is important. But to me, before SEL was a thing, before social emotional learning, I ever heard about it. That was my approach to working with students anyway. It's like, who are you? I need to know you and connect with you and care about you more than I care about what you do. And I think even as we build our team for the Choose World program and people that work with us as a team, I tell all of them, if I haven't told them before, I want to reiterate it right now. If you're watching this, I care more about you as a person than I do about what you do. Because what you do flows from who you are. And so there's been times where I, this has burned me in the past and other jobs I had when I was a supervisor or manager where I care more about you as an individual person. So, hey, tell me what's going on. You need some time off? Let's work this out because if you can't be you. <laughs> you can't perform to your fullest unless we're working toward you being whole as a person. Now, I'm very clear working toward. So I can, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything. You may be you're struggling through some things, but yet to acknowledge those things, we can move on together. But when you try to hold that stuff like the kid was holding that in, he didn't talk to anybody about it. He was just struggling. He was still dealing with it. And the sad thing, it was dealing with him and it was impacting his life and your classroom <laughs> and yes, you. Yes. And so I think SEL is important. I think social emotional learning is important. So from that, you went on a, you, we mentioned your master's. Let's talk a little bit more about your, you know, your credentials. And I'm not big on credentials, but you got some big ones <laughs> <laughs> in this area of social emotional learning. So take me through your journey from out of education into education. I didn't get into education like most people. A lot of, uh, I'm 30. So I'm going to be 34 in August, and I, I hear stories all the time where like, oh, I was a natural teacher. I was not a natural teacher, but I coached basketball for 10 years, and I didn't realize that that was my foundation for teaching. We got to talk about that in a future episode, <laughs> coaching and teaching, how they go together. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and so after um, I actually moved up to Shasta County, and I was coaching basketball, and at the time I took a job working at the school, and I was like, why am I not doing this full time? So I ended up going to my teaching program, you know, getting my credential. And then um, after my experience, I was like, I need, I need some more. I need more tools. I, I need more, uh, I don't know if authority is the correct word, but I wanted people to understand where I was coming from so they could use that. So this past summer, I enrolled in um, National University, uh, an SEL program, a master's program. 
And uh, it was a great experience, you know, as about a year of program, and I just got so much more background knowledge of the importance of social emotional learning, um, how to help people with it, how to um, write grants, which I have a lot of grants that I've written now. And so just a lot of tools in my bag, I would say, as far as SEO. And is, is it transformed how you teach the first experience of that? Um, and then from, cause you were, that was your first month. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if you can compare, but just tell me, how's it helped your journey? That experience shifted my perspective wholeheartedly. So I can say anything before social emotional learning was geared towards the idea of just pure education. Just here's a lesson plan. Let's teach, you know, spelling today. Here's the science plan. Teach science. My whole experience after that has been geared towards connecting the student. And that has changed not only like my perspective on education, it's changed my perspective on life. You know, it's helped give me tools in my personal life to deal with adults. The whole idea of understanding where somebody is coming from is so much bigger than than anything. You know, you can't, I try, I'm, I'm not perfect, you know, but I try not to judge people because you never know what they're going through. And it, that's kind of like a cliche thing, but with my experience with students, it is so true. I just recently was talking to students and they were sharing their stories. And you look at this kid and they tell your story like, how in the world? Like, I would have never thought that you were going through this because you never know what somebody's going through. And I told these, these are high school students. I told them, listen, sometimes it's, it's just a relief to tell your story, to acknowledge it. Not that I can solve your problem, but guess what? You don't have to hide it anymore. <laughs> like You're not running around trying to pretend that things are perfect because no one has a perfect life. So I think it is really important to really care about the student and try to meet their needs. Again, going back to Stephen Covey's quote, um, seek first, understand, then to be understood is so important. I think that's part of the whole SEL thing. And so last question I'm going to ask you is this, what would you say to teachers who are resistant to the SEL movement? Now, I, and I get why sometime in education, there's always new movements, right? It's like yeah. this, this, then new this, then that, and you know, all the greatest news. And to me, SEL isn't new. We may have repackaged it, but the concept of connecting with your students, caring about their social, their emotional, who they are as an individual person before we care about the learning or as we care about the learning, to put them both together, it's not a new thing. It's a new concept and it's a big push for it. And I get why teachers can be resistant to it because, oh, here's something new. And I work with a lot of educators and I don't want to be you know, piling more on them. But this is a crucial aspect of Human, human communication, I think even on an adult level. So what would you say to that teacher who's resistant to the SEL, changing the way they've been teaching? What would you say to them? Uh, I'm really glad you wrapped it that way because um, Mike Freeman, an SEL guy here with oh, Locally. No, 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 no. Mike, Mike will be on the show. So I can't <laughs> give him too many shouts out right now, but uh, that's my friend Mike Freeman. He will be on the show. But yeah, you told me this illustration. Go ahead, finish. It's a great quote. This is what I, everybody comes to me and says, you know, Brad, I don't need another thing on my plate. I don't need another thing on my plate. And how Mike describes this as SEL is not another thing on the plate. It's the whole plate in which we should deliver instruction. To me, that is just exactly how it should be. I was speaking at a parent event and get, get done speaking. A lady walks up to me with three kids and her husband. She says, Mr. Brown, you spoke to my school when I was in eighth grade. I'm like, what? Come, no, come, come on, really? And it was at Mountain View Middle School, and Mike Freeman was the, was the teacher, was the principal. And we began to talk, and so I said, Mike Freeman? Oh, she talked about Mike Freeman for a while. Every student knew who he was. My kids, he was my, my, my kids' principal. And he would go above and beyond to connect with students. He was the elf on the shelf. One day we pull up, drop Sophie off. He's the elf on the shelf on top of this building. 
as the elf on the shelf, dressed as an elf yeah. on top of the building. One year we worked together and uh, we raised funds for the teacher, a uh, CEF, I forgot what it's called, foundation. And uh, we made a deal with the, at the banquet that if we raised enough money, both of us would come to school as Batman and Robin. So I, I wore the Batman outfit. Thank you for doing that because Robin's outfit was a little worse than mine. <laughs> but to me, he was not just about the the academics, but the kids still thrived. But I think he did so much in creating that environment. So the idea of the plate is SEL. Everything else goes on top. Exactly. Exactly. So that has worked with you and how you approach. And now you're doing not just with your kids, you're training teachers as well. I am. Yeah. And, and that approach, um, through my master's program, it all sounds like this great, you know, grandiose idea, but I have, um, data now, you know, I have a full research whole year long research that, that has at least proved in my experience that my academic scores are better. Um, we do a social emotional, um, program called Kelvin that gauges social emotional health for our students. Uh, my class is significantly higher in growth rate compared to my entire district. So this idea of connecting social emotional learning is how I deliver instruction actually makes the academic piece stronger. Like I said, accessing that um, social emotional side first and then academic second is just, in my experience, proven. Well, that's how SEO slapped you in the face. So I guess it was a good slap. <laughs> hey, man, I'm still riding it three years A, a later, life-changing so. slap. Yeah. And uh, we, we kind of joke about that. But it, it, it can be something different, different approach. But it's an effective one. For more information about uh, my friend here, Mr. Davis, and uh, what things we offer through the Choose Well program, visit the choosewellprogram.com. And most importantly, uh, like, subscribe, and share if you're watching us on YouTube. If not, checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you join us for the next episode of the choose well program podcast where uh we might have mr freeman on in the future or we'll have you back too hey, i always sign off by telling my students during uh covid you guys always got to go out and think love so go out go out and think love yep so go out and think love and choose well because it's a choice and when you make better choices you will live a better life so choose well oh yeah oh yeah oh, oh, oh.